Hello, I'm Phil Cousineau. Today I'm hosting Michael N. McGregor. Michael is a writer, editor, teacher, writing consultant, and professor of English and creative writing at Portland State University. He has recently published a much acclaimed and wonderful and marvel-filled biography of one of my favorite poets and favorite sages, Robert Lex. This book has been called Grace-Filled, and it's been described as offering an outstanding contribution to the strange and gripping story of this great artist and mystic. I am so happy to have Michael sitting here at our table at the New Dimensions Cafe, or should we say Taverna, because we're <laughs> going to spend some time in Greece. Welcome, Michael, to New Dimensions Thank Cafe. Thank you, Phil. Since you spent time, uh, years actually, traveling with this amazing character and many more years writing about him, it seems you believe that his story is important for us to know. Mm. Why? Why should we know about Robert Lax? Well, I think Robert Lax uh, pursued an individual life and a, a life that was focused on trying to find meaning and also a life that, that was uh, a caring life toward other people. And... It had one other dimension, a very important dimension for him, which was a, an artistic dimension. He was someone who didn't separate the artistic from the spiritual or from the daily life uh, that he lived. And I think that's an example that we need in this world today. How so? The way that you just put it suggests that you think, as many do, that our spiritual life is separate from our everyday life. Can we look at Lax's life as a, a paragon, a model to follow, in which the spiritual life and the ordinary life of walking, getting groceries, feeding the mm -hmm. cat with mm -hmm. fish, as he did in the Greek mm -hmm. islands every day, mm -hmm. is this possibly a way we can lead our own life? I think it definitely is. I, I think Lax's uh, idea in many ways is simple. It's profound, but it, it's simple at its core, which is that you bring your whole being and your whole understanding to every moment that you live. And he uh, he believed that that didn't matter what you were doing, f feeding fish to cats or going and, and buying your cereal at the store, that all of them are moments of, of the same life, a life we share not only with other people, but, but with all beings on the planet and, and with the planet itself and the universe beyond it. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Father John Deere, who's mm -hmm. no nominated for the uh, Nobel Peace Prize, a great activist and a Catholic priest, uh, loved Lax and had uh, uh, an epistolary relationship with him, yes. as they used to say. Yes. There were a lot of letters together. Yes. And he describes Lax in a way that I like because I'm off the streets of Detroit. Robert Lax was the real thing, a rare contemplative and solitary who spent his life in poverty, peace, and silence, writing and meditating. The real thing. How do you feel about that? Well, as long as we forget the Coca-Cola side of that. Um, <laughs> that was the farthest thing from my mind. <laughs> I think he was. I think authenticity was was one of his, his key attributes. And he worked with this man, Emile Antonucci, who was the first one to publish him, publish a book by him, and was really important to, to his development. They had met at Jubilee Magazine back in the 50s. And Antonucci, when I interviewed him, said that he really felt that Lax was someone who was doing what he was doing uh, for himself and, and in 
pursuit of his own sense of meaning. And that basically he then sent that out into the world and we have a chance to to uh, connect to it. But he wasn't doing it for some ulterior motive or so that someone would publish him or whatever. He really was authentic in, in what he was pursuing. That reminds me of something that the great Colombian writer uh, Gabriel Marquez said. In the end, we write for ourselves and our closest friends. Mm -hmm. Yes. How does that feel in terms of yes. Lax? I think Lax, that, that describes him perfectly. He had a professor at Columbia University, Mark Van Doren, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning poet himself. And later, I think when Merton, uh, Thomas Merton went to the monastery and Lax had less connection with him on a daily basis or weekly basis, that he continued these regular letters with, with Van Doren. I think Van Doren was the person that he wrote for beside himself. He, I, and it's kind of in the way a child makes art. A child makes art, and they're completely absorbed by it and delight in it. And then they, they take it to a parent and say, look what I made. And I think Lax delighted in someone else's reading his work in that way. There's a line... I believe in, in, in your book that startled me, where uh, Mark Van Doren, the fellow you just mentioned, uses an odd phrase, but it really catches the breath. The woe is that Lax could not describe his own bliss. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think there was a sense around Lax that he had this internal understanding of, uh, and uh, let's say to use the same language, authentic bliss uh, of being a living being in the universe. And I think he was trying through his earlier inarticulateness and his later, um, um, what should I say, the, the, the way his later poetry came out to really get at a way of stating that, not just to state it, because, you know, we have a lot of in creative circles, we talk about self-expression. But for Lax, he wanted to state it so other people could have some access to it also. The way that he stated it, is what is either ecstatic for the reader or confusing <laughs> because he was experimental in every sense of the yes. word. He would repeat words, phrases, images. Often the, the words were, were, were like a, a long string bean down the center yes. of a page. What was he trying to accomplish with that? Uh, well, first of all, I, I, you, you, the way you described it makes me think of one of the epigraphs for the book, which is a review of his uh, book, 33 Poems, which came out from uh, New Directions, which was, uh, depending on the reader, it's all either beatific or baffling, uh, which I love, because I think it is. I think it is. It, it kind of brings out who we are. But I do think that as you understand it more, that it becomes more on the beatific side than the baffling. And I think what Lax was really trying to do, I mentioned this uh, to you earlier, Phil, is get at the, the kind of deepest uh, place in his, himself, where his soul was talking to itself, and bring that to the surface. He really had become, uh, he'd begun to think that traditional poetry and the way it's written with these lines across the page was full of a lot of fluff things that that we weren't reading anyway because we'd 
take whole gulps of poetry rather than really look at what the individual words were doing. So he, he wanted to get rid of that and really get at the essence of what the, the image was that he was trying to get across to a reader, and which, again, he, he felt came in a simple way out of this depth of his soul. That's curious for me because, again, I was just in Ireland every night listening to live music for six mm. weeks. Live music. Mm. No money ever passed around. That's just what happens in the good country pubs. <laughs> and I was talking to one of the great musicologists in Ireland, P.J. Curtis, who was describing the incantatory power of Irish poets and singers going back to an old Celtic belief in what was called the the. Arg, <laughs> A-A-R-R-G-G-H-H. And it's nice. this obscure but beautiful reference to the power of repetition. Yes. So if you hear Van singing in a song like Listen to the Lion, yes. just ordinary words. But then he goes in and stretches those words like taffy. And he'll do, listen to the lion inside of me, 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 inside of me. And what he's trying to do there goes back for a few thousand years in right. Ireland. The repetition of the drum, the repetition of the flute notes, the repetition yes. of the words, the poetry, ba-dum, 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 to yes. put you in a state yes. as a listener, a state of grace. Does this connect to Robert Lax? Perfect. Great description of Lax's work. And uh, that, that, that idea of rhythm and repetition putting us in a different state, I think, it was really central to his work. Lax believed that you should read poetry out loud, not just on the page. And when you read his poetry out loud or you listen to it, it really does even change how you feel. He... Um, he told me once that he, when he did readings after a while, and he read it in this very uh, slowed down, steady pace, uh, after a while he could feel the audience breathing together. That seems pretty primal to me, pretty, uh, the kind of thing that, that does go back generations. Did you ever hear him read publicly? I never heard him read publicly. He did read for me a couple times, and I've heard him, I've heard recordings of his reading. When you teach, do you recommend that people read poetry out loud? I do. Yeah, I, I recommend that people read everything that they write out loud. I think all writing gains by, by being read out loud, both for the writer and for an audience. Did people ever come to Lex on a kind of literary pilgrimage and tell him that his work had changed them, had changed their lives? All the time. Yes. I, I mean, people, people made their way to Patmos uh, just, just to spend time with him, just to tell him that. Uh, he would show me a lot of the letters that he got, uh, and that, that was often what was in the letters. Um, and I'll tell you, just to having this book out in the world now for a couple months, those people now are writing to me about how exposure to him or his work changed their lives, which is one of the really gratifying things about having written this book. Was it gratifying for him as well? Some writers just don't care. They're just <laughs> ready for themselves. And others are lonely. They feel bereft if yes. they don't hear from readers occasionally. Where, did, where was he? I don't think he was on either of those extremes. I think Lax loved to hear from people because he felt, you know, part of what we're, we're doing here in this world is, is getting this pieces, these pieces of how, of what we have learned or experienced or uh, out, out to other people. So the idea in his mind was that we're all helped by that from each other. So he loved to hear them. The only 
uh, thing he didn't like was the burden of having these stacks of letters that he would feel he had to answer. And he, he wanted to answer them, but so many was, was difficult, especially as he aged. Oh, that's what my grandfather used to call her, champagne worry. Yes, yes. <laughs> if that's your greatest worry in life, that you're getting in fan mail, yeah. life can't be too bad. Yeah. And Lax would have seconded that idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in his short film, Black and White, which he did with Alex Elliott? Yes, Is that yes, right? okay. yes. Yeah. Dear friend Alex Elliott. Um, he writes something pretty remarkable that he wishes whoever hears this wakes up and hears things differently. Yes. What a selfless way yeah. to make music, make poetry, make yeah. films. And I, th I think he actually said that about, he had a poem called Black and White, which came out of the same spirit as the film that they, they uh, filmed together, which they filmed in Harlem, by the way. It was, it's a kind of interesting story. But he... Um, and the, and and Lax had lived there, and he knew. I'll just tell it since I mentioned it's an interesting story. And he had known uh, this guy who was a pimp, I guess, there who had a lot of control in the street where they wanted to film. And when Lax said that they wanted to do this, he said, "Okay, you don't have to worry about anything. I'm going to take care of you." So, um, but but I th uh, let's see. Your question was about how words, images, helping people wake up, helping them listen yes. and hear differently. Yes. I, I, one of the things Lax felt that in using in simple words that we all knew, like black and white or sun and moon, was that he was helping to return those words to uh, a, a more original meaning, stripping them of all the kind of false meanings that had been uh, put on them over time. And getting to this kind of trueness so that people could discover their own attachment to them in new ways. Beautiful. <clears throat> one last point of interest for me, one last question, has to do with uh, how Robert Lacks identified with the circus and acrobats. Because uh, Philippe Petit, the famous uh, high wire act mm -hmm. Live performance artist who now infamously crossed between the twin towers, right. 1971 or so. Yeah. His story was made into a documentary film, Man on Wire, that I believe mm -hmm. won an Oscar. And now that story is a feature film. Right. So it seems there's something in the zeitgeist that sees the tightrope walker, the acrobat, as a kind of metaphor for maybe how we can balance our lives today. Am I reading too much into this? Or is <laughs> no, there something I, I, I there? think that's, that, that's <laughs> maybe true. I think also we, we admire their daring, their willingness to step out, in, in, in this case, literally step out uh, over nothing and take a chance. And uh, also the, their skill, their ability to do it. And I think that's part of what Lax saw in the circus acrobats that he so admired. Uh, they, they took these chances, they stepped out, and, and they had the, the grace and the ability to, to perform in that moment. What a wonderful grace note to end our discussion here at the New Dimensions Taverna slash cafe. <laughs> the, the belief that there, there is something to be said for taking a risk. Yes. Taking definitely. a step off the building, walking across the thin wire to lead an experimental life, to lead a life for others, to lead a life of love, rhythm, and poetry. Thank you, yeah. Michael McGregor. Thank, Thank you, you Phil. for sharing the life of Robert Lax with us. I am Phil Cousineau. Thank you all for joining us at the table here at New Dimensions Cafe.
If you'd like to connect with Michael N. McGregor or learn more about his work and the work of Robert Lacks, you can go to michaelnmcgregor.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I am Phil Cousineau, and you have been listening to New Dimensions Cafe. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.